When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now, with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It is time for another edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast, also heard on the radio on The Bet in Las Vegas. Thanks for joining us. It's cut down day in the NFL for the Raiders. The Raiders have already made cuts. You've already heard about those. They're going to be happening. We're going to see things come out throughout the day, and we'll be here to talk about it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can find Silver and Black Today. Put on the auto download. That way, every time we publish a show... It'll be right there for you. And I say we because I'm your host, Scott Branson, along with my co-host, Mr. Mo Moten. Mo is the national senior NFL writer for Bleacher Report, where you can find his work, and I highly recommend that, as well as following him on Twitter. As long as you're not a cheesecake lover, you can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. That's Mo Moten. I am at LV Gully. The show is... SNB today. Okay, Mo, big day for a lot of guys around the NFL. Some dreams come to an end, or some are at least altered for a bit, and then some dreams come true today as the Raiders will release their 53-man roster. You released your final uh, on Monday up on sportsnot.com, which people can read if they want to catch that really quick. Uh, but the news over the weekend, and we're going to get to that in a second, but the news over the weekend, we didn't really have a lot of time to go into it on the post-game show, Mo, which was the return of Josh Jacobs. Of course, it's a big deal. Josh Jacobs, one-year, $12 million deal, some bonus, bigger bonus up front, some incentives built into that contract. And for those asking the questions about the franchise tag, yes, the Raiders still would 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 be able to franchise tag Josh Jacobs next year uh, at the higher rate, which we'll talk about in a second. But the Raiders get their guy back into the facility on Sunday, they even put video together to show him getting his new number eight jersey, all the PR that they'd want on that one. But, Mo, it's 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 hard to signify. I mean, we talked about the market for the running back, why the Raiders were smart not to give in too much on that. At the same time, from a football perspective, talk about what this means for this team with what the weapons they have, with an offensive line that has solidified nicely. Yes, there's still some question marks, but overall finished the season strong and I think is a little underrated. What's the significance of his return 
for this team with a new quarterback and so on? I know the running back market is down right now, but I I said this on social media. I think this is a win for both Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. Obviously, the Raiders get Josh Jacobs back anytime you get the rushing champion from the previous year back in your lineup. That's definitely a win. Uh, the running game, which we'll get to later in the show, hasn't been anything special to anything to write home about with Zamir White leading the way. We'll t- I won't crush Zamir White. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but the Raiders are... are are spending the fifth most cap dollars in 2023 on their offense. They're behind, I believe, Cleveland, Detroit, Cincinnati, and I want to say Baltimore. Baltimore. Those are the four teams ahead of of the Raiders when it comes to spending cap dollars on their offense. So while there's concern about the defense, the offense still has enough weapons to score a lot of points this uh, this upcoming season with Devontae Adams, with Hunter Renfro, with Jacoby Myers. As long as Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy, the offensive line does its job and improves on, on a solid year from last year in pass protection, and now Josh Jacobs back in the fold. From Josh Jacobs' perspective, this is a win simply because his base, the base for his one-year deal is $11.8 million. Now, he can make, as you said, up to $12 million with $200,000 in incentives added, added on to that. So he got more than what Saquon Barkley got on a modified mm-hmm. franchise tag, because that's what this is. It's... It's not a multi-year deal because a lot of people are going to say, I thought the Raiders couldn't come to an agreement with Jacobs after the deadline. It's He can't sign a multi-year, multi-year. deal at this point until 2024, but he can, the Raiders can modify or come to an agreement with him on a modified franchise center, which is what this is. It's $1.7 million over the initial base. It was, the initial tender was $10.1 million. He's going to get $11.8 million regardless. And as I said, the $200,000 in incentives are added on i don't know what those incentives are but it's yeah. a win for him as i said a win for the raiders as well it is absolutely and you look at some of the reports that are out there i know uh, uh pro football talk talked about the erroneous number there's been some folks out there there's been a story floated from a inside source which you know you just never know folks that said that jacobs turned down a 26 million dollar two-year contract in july which was fully guaranteed with this deal for 12 plus what he'll make over the next couple years, even on a franchise tag, he would make about 26 million, but it's not guaranteed. So there was some sort of, hey, being critical of the agent, who knows if these are agents vying to try to steal Josh Jacobs away from another agent. But uh, pro football talk through their source at the Raiders said this was not true. Uh, and in fact, if you look at it, um, he will get $25.96 million over the next two years. Uh, if they tag him next year, they could let him walk because he has a one-year contract at this point. So they could let him walk or they could exercise that tag on him. Uh, and that's what's interesting about this because I heard a lot of people say, well, this has been bad PR for the Raiders. This has been bad PR for Josh Jacobs. For those of us who cover the team a lot, Mo, I, I never had any concern that Josh Jacobs wouldn't be there. I think he's coming in a week earlier than I anticipated, and no wonder. They sat down over dinner in Las Vegas, and they hammered out a deal. That's why I think people in general look at this, and they take it much more personally uh, than than even the people involved. And so you have to let these things, it's a business. You have to let these things evolve. And certainly Dave Ziegler, I think, and Josh Jacobs' agent, I think they both played this hand pretty well. Sands, okay, some of the tweets and social media, that's just a generational thing. But overall, I think both sides handled themselves very well throughout the process. Someone on this show, when the holdout started, I believe someone on this show said Jacobs would return a week or two before the regular season. Correct. 
I'm not saying who, but it might have been a, a fellow on the show with a little bit of melanin in his, in his pigment, in his skin complexion. Yeah, the, the guy who's got uh, his own T-shirt. Yeah, that guy. I know. <laughs> I know. Might have been that guy. Yeah. The other thing is I retweeted a video where you spoke on the whole subject. You spoke on it for about a minute and a half, and you and you basically nailed it. And and we both said it on the show that we're not really concerned with Josh Jacobs reappearing or rejoining the team before the regular season, we were always of the belief that Josh Jacobs would be back. It's just a matter of when, because we made the point that he doesn't increase his value by sitting out for an entire year. There was just no win there. And I think in the video that I retweeted, you said that he's not making any money by showing up the training camp. Right. And does Josh Jacobs really need training camp? Now you want your players to get calloused up and, and, and get on the field on the practice field to get loosened up for the regular season. But we all know that he wasn't going to make it, aside from maybe a workout bonus, he wasn't going to make any game checks showing up in August. Now, when the games do matter and he gets paid week by week, you're not going to miss out on those game checks. That was your point in that in that video over on Twitter X. And sure enough, we're two weeks out. He shows up. He's all smiles, giving Dave Ziegler a pound in that, in that, in that video on the Raiders' uh, Twitter X handle. Now, of course, that could they let them know that the cameras are there, obviously. Of course. But of course. The fact that the, the fact that Jacobs returns and is back and Dunce's new number eight jersey, the fact that he's just back in the fold, he's all in. Because I don't I don't see Jacobs, you know, giving half effort because he's no. salty about not getting a multi-year deal. He's he's back. He's gonna give you his all, as he said in the video, he's gonna give you everything he's got this year. Right. And he gets the extra money and we don't know about the incentives. So he might even make more than the 12. At the same time, he also it's good for him because if he comes out and has another year like he did last year, then guess what? The Raiders either have to come to the table and pay him. They can tag him. Yes. But this gives them more time. Mo, we've talked about this with contracts for the last couple of years, you and I on this show, which is sometimes you just need to buy more time. Right. Just buy some more time. Talk about it. And for the Raiders being cautious, saying, hey, look, we love the year you had last year. And I'm simplifying, of course. But but you come out and prove it again on this team with this offense, where you have an offensive line that's been together longer, you have a new quarterback who's a little more efficient than the old guy, then then suddenly we'll sit down and talk. If you, start, if you come out and show what you showed last year, then we'll sit down and talk about a deal. Also, though, it gives Josh Jacobs a little more control and leverage to say, okay, you know what, after next, if, if I don't do that, or if you guys tell me, look, we can't get to an agreement, then I would just ask you, hey, let me go. And they could let him go. They could tag him. They could do whatever they want. Either way, he's going to make, I think, what, 14-something next year is the, what the cap goes up to? I can't the, remember. Sorry. Yeah, they tag him. Because they were saying that if he's tagged again next year, he would make about $26 million over the, you know, over between the this years. year and next year. Correct. So if, 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 if it's 12 this year, It'll be about fourteen next year, right? So either way, he's he's getting a two two million dollar raise, um, and even if he gets tagged, not terrible for him. Although, hey, if he has another uh, you know league leading rushing mm-hmm. season, then um, yes, he he can either demand some more money, or if the Raiders are willing, they could let him go. We'll see what happens there. But but uh, but anyway, either way, like you said, Mo, I think both sides win. Both get what they want. They get their running back in for the franchise. Josh Jacobs gets some more money and security for his family. You can't, uh, uh, you can't underscore how important that is for him and his family. Uh, Mo, what I want to talk about, you mentioned just a few seconds ago or minutes ago, which was about the rushing attempt. So bringing Josh Bake Jacobs back to the Raiders, what we saw in the preseason, and again, yes, we know it's preseason, uh, but from a rushing perspective, 78 attempts, 315 yards, 
4.04 yards per rush. Um, not exactly explosive. Uh, and, and so it tells you what Josh Jacobs means to this team. If you look at the individual performances, just to show you how important he wa- is to the team, Sincere McCormick led the team rushing-wise from a scoring perspective with two touchdowns. But from a yardage uh, rushing perspective, Damian Williams, who at the time of this recording, uh, we don't know if he's going to make the team. I doubt it. I think you on your um, uh, on your 53-man, I think, had him being cut as well. Um, he is 15, yard, 15 carries, 88 yards. Zamir White, and I think this is where the point, I know you've been taking a lot of pressure on social media over your concerns, <laughs> not criticisms, but concerns with Zamir White. 26 carries, so twice as many as Damian Williams, and two less yards, 86 yards. Past that, Sincere McCormick is the third leading rusher on the team in the preseason, 15 carries with 57 yards. So not exactly stuff to write home about. Okay, and um, that's important because that running back room, uh, Britton Brown goes on IR. Uh, We never really got to see him anyway. I liked what Damian Williams did, but he was showcasing himself for an opportunity elsewhere. They're not going to cut Zamir White. Zamir White is their draft pick from a year ago, so they're going to be committed to him. Sincere McCormick has some nice things, but he's not going to be a a bell carry back. He's not going to be. Uh, the guy to carry your team. So this team really needs Josh Jacobs. When you look at system, Josh McDaniel's system, run the ball, short intermediate passes that are high percentage passes. This guy was uh, neat. And now the Raiders, I think if you look past this, Mo, the Raiders have to think about what's next after Josh Jacobs because I don't think they have it in the room right now. I don't think so either. I, th- I remember there was an email or last week that asked us about the Raiders drafting a running back in 2024. And I said, absolutely. You draft a, a running back late day two, early day three, because Zermayer White ain't it. And by what I mean by that is he could be a decent number two guy, but you're not building your ground attack. You're not building your run game around Zamir White with the way he's playing right now. And I, I'm not criticizing and saying he's a terrible football player. He should be cut or he should be waived. I'm saying that he's not a guy that's going to be the successor of Josh Jacobs if Josh Jacobs is not back next year. I want to hammer home this point again because I've said this multiple times. For a running back, you want them to be around four yards per carry. You read Zamir White's stats, I believe 26 rushes for 86 yards. That's below four yards per carry. Mm-hmm. It's considerably low, below four <laughs> yards per carry. So a lot of people, as you said, They've been giving me a lot of uh, dust-ups on social media about my criticism or concerns about Zamir White. And someone said, why, why does Zamir White get hate? And I, and I just want to put this <laughs> out there and say, I didn't say Zamir White was a bad person. I didn't attack his character. I didn't say anything about him personally, so it's not hate. Anybody, I haven't heard any, I haven't seen or heard any hate directed towards Zamir White. I haven't seen anyone criticize Zamir White the person. It's all been about his game, his vision, his inability to break tackles. That's not hate. That's what you're you're seeing in in games. Watch the football games and you'll see it. He doesn't break tackles. He goes down after contact. He's not the guy that's going to get you those extra one or two yards after taking a hit. That's just not him right now. Now, Mm -hmm. will will he eventually get that? I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen any running backs gain, you know, vision. But there's a point that he's a downhill runner. And I think when he has to have things develop in front of him, it's hard for him to find holes. So if you're going to run zone plays or have him read 
things in front of him and and be patient, uh, be a p- more patient runner. That's not that's not his run style. His run right. style is get the ball, go make one cut, go downhill. But the offensive line has to open things up for him. If the offensive line, I said this after the first preseason game, if the offensive line isn't an opening lanes for Zamir White, he's not a creator. He's not going to create anything outside of what the offensive line provides for him. And that's right. not a, that's that's not a criticism. That's what you're seeing on on the on the TV and on film. No, and that's the thing. We we you look at any of the folks who cover the Raiders or the NFL, and I think the the book on Zamir White is all the same. Good young player, uh, some promising moments, but yes, not a uh, uh, not a a back that you're going to count on to carry that team and to do exactly what you need them to do, especially in that system. And then you look in the draft for next year. I'm looking at the list here. Of course, Travion Henderson at Ohio State, a little smaller guy, but a a great running back. Raheem Sanders out of Arkansas and uh, Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin. There's good running backs in the next draft that have a little more of that ability. I know it's college to NFL, so you have to see how they do. But to me, that's the point with this team. And again, the system and running that system and what you need to do that's important because you need to set up your success. You need to set up those passes with that run. That's how it works. Uh, if the Raiders can't effectively run the ball, they're going to have trouble. Again, we've mentioned it. Jimmy Garoppolo can pass the ball long, but that's not what he does well all the time. You can't count yourself uh, a good offensive team if you have to continue to pass the ball on third and long. That's why you need a good running game. So we'll see how that all runs out. But getting Josh Jacobs back in there is a huge deal for this team. I know everybody feels that. I know you agree with me, Mo, that uh, this team, we've said it consistently, would be so much better with Josh Jacobs back there, and he will be there for week one against Denver. Okay, we're going to take our break. When we come back, we have a special guest with us, Sean Salisbury, of course, now with iHeartRadio, has got his show down in Houston, the Sean Salisbury Show, formerly of ESPN, uh, and he's got another side venture, uh, which has a little bit to do with me. So I'll talk to you guys about that when we come back, and we'll talk about Sean. We'll get his impression of the Raiders, the quarterback situation, the AFC West. It'll be a more general conversation, but we'll get his thoughts on the Raiders too. We're going to ask him, are the Raiders maybe flying a little bit under the radar? Could they be better than people are giving them credit for? We'll reach all of those conclusions with Sean Salisbury coming up here on after the break, I should say, with Mo and Scott on Silver and Black today. Don't go anywhere. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast, also heard over the air on the radio, The Bet in Las Vegas. Thanks for being with us again here. We bring in our special guest today. That is Sean Salisbury. You can catch him on Sports Talk 790 in Houston, the Sean Salisbury Show, 
Follow him on the X or Twitter, whatever the heck you want to call it, at Sean Unfiltered. Of course, former NFL quarterback, USC quarterback, and also the pride of Orange Glen High School in North San Diego County, my hometown as well, Carlsbad, just, just west on the coast there. Sean, thanks for being with us, man. We appreciate it. Great to be with you. Lancers and Patriots, little Carlsbad and Orange Glen. I, uh, I tell you what, I miss San Diego. I, every time I go back home, it's like, why do you ever leave San Diego with that beauty? <laughs> so it's really good to be on with you guys, man. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate the introduction. I appreciate it. The two answers to that question, by the way, Sean, taxes and real estate. <laughs> but well, well, and, and, and maybe leadership when it comes to the state of California, letting some of the things go. It has a little to do with it, but the beaches can hide some of that when we're out there on the sand. Nobody gives a rat's rear end what's going on. So there you That's go. Right. It was certainly a great place to grow up. So That's listen, right. let's jump right in. I want to start first uh, with the with in general with the AFC. I listened to your show. I heard you guys talk about this. I heard you talk about it with Dan Patrick a while ago. Um, the AFC overall is is, is just a freaking gauntlet. If you look at what's going on in the AFC from the Eastern Division through all the way to the West, it's going to be a tough, tough go for anybody, and that includes. People like the Chiefs, the Ravens, you name it, the Buffalo Bills. Some of these teams we're favoring. Uh, talk about what's going to have to happen in this conference to come out of this thing on top of it and get to the Super Bowl. It's getting increasingly difficult each year. Well, number one, to, to coin the phrase from our guy, Colonel Troutman in First Blood, you better have a good supply of body bags, man. <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, a brutal gauntlet, as you'd said. The quarterback play. As you go through it, and I, I mean, you think about the NFC, I know Dak Prescott's a good player, and uh, Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal player, but you start to name just the quarterbacks, and you guys know this, we are a quarterback society now when it comes to high school, college, and pro. We don't, we don't have the 85 Bears defense. We don't have the 2,000 Ravens defense. We, we just don't. Now, there's some good ones. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just talking about overall where you can play average offense and play such good defense that you maul people so brutal, like the mid-70s Steelers for those for the young people who don't know. Go back and watch a little tape in that line. The, the array of players on that field, when they play our Raiders growing up, it was like the best. I mean, you had 25 Hall of Famers, it felt like, every time those two would line up. It, 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 we just don't have that. So it's a quarterback league. You obviously got to score points to win, but we don't have where a team's going to pitch three, four shutouts in a row. Quarterback plays too good. The weapons are too good. The specialization of offenses and – you know, you got two backs. One comes in on third down, can catch it. You got big guys like Derrick Henry who can dominate in the run game. You get the, you know, I mean, it is just they're everywhere. And the quarterback position is so good right now and so deep at the top. And it's in the AFC. So in order to get through it, you're going to have to be a little lucky. And guys, as good as the Chiefs are, if I gave you any team, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, you're taking the field, at least I am, over the AFC one team, right? I mean, as good as the Chiefs are, having to go repeat again is going to be brutal because, hell, the seventh quarterback can be the MVP in, I mean, in, in the league. And now look what the Jets got now with Rodgers and the way their weapons are coming about and how good Robert Sala's team is being built on both sides of the ball. So uh, I, you, you do. you got to be a little lucky. The, the key is is it get a couple stops on defense. I, I asked people this. I said, would you rather have the number one quarterback slash offense in the 15th or 18th ranked defense? As opposed, because you know the the old saying, well, defense wins championships. 
getting a few stops in a Super Bowl can win you a championship, but I don't know if defense overall wins championships because with injuries and attrition and the depth, but if you got that quarterback standing upright, you, you know what you can do. So for me, I would rather have the best offense in the middle of the road defense as opposed to the best defense in the league and the 20th best quarterback. That's not saying the guy can't play, but I think you got a better chance to win that way. I mean, the Chiefs weren't the best defense. I mean, last year, but great defensive players in certain positions, and we know how good some of them are. The Bengals, some good players. The Buffalo Bills, some really good players on defense and, and a good team. So, But then you take a look at the quarterbacks and say, okay, on a bad day, if you still hang 27 or 28. Now, the opposite is true in the NFC. You can score from the locker room, and if you don't get any tackles like the Detroit Lions, well, then you, you pick high and you hope that that's changed this year. So I just think the gauntlet in the AFC of quarterbacks is too good. I would favor them. And if you can play some defense and get off the field and be a little lucky and keep your quarterback healthy, getting through the AFC is brutal. If you make it through the AFC, by the time you get to the Super Bowl, you may be so beat up and dead <laughs> that you can't beat the NFC. But it is a brutal conference to play defense in a passing game. So, Sean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. A lot of Raider fans were kind of pissed off about some of the moves that were made over the past year. A lot of questions about Josh McDaniels and his track record going back to Denver. Questions about Dave Ziegler because he's the first time full-time GM. I know he was involved in New England, but this is his first time he's the GM GM, so to speak, making the moves. So a lot of Raider fans are kind of skeptical. We talked before we got on. You're a lifelong Raider fan, so you're going to get your raw thoughts here. How do you feel about the direction of the team? Because a lot of times you can see, you can look at a roster and say, this roster is rebuilding. This roster right. is going for a playoff spot. This roster is going for a Super Bowl. Where are the Raiders? Are they trending up, or are they going to have to take a step back to take a step forward? Well, I think it's a great question. Just when we say take a step back, they'll win 11 games and be in it, right? Isn't that the way this <laughs> league works? And you yeah. know in, in the National Football League, you can get healthier, meaning I don't mean health, health, health. I'm talking about as a football team, Jacksonville, get a head coach, get a quarterback and a few players, and you're right back in it winning the division. It doesn't take – I mean, now that's a lot to get the quarterback and a great at a, at a really at a Super Bowl winning head coach and get him back and a few players and stay healthy. Like I said, I'll use the word luck. You've got to be able to stay healthy and you better be deep. But with the Raiders and you're right, lifelong Raider fan here. So I, I my emotion on my sleeve. I'm going to try to temper it as we talk about this, because <laughs> you do got to face Herbert, probably a better Russell Wilson. He can't be any worse neither can the Broncos and obviously Mahomes. So. That, 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 that enough to get there. I mean, you've got to, you got to play some brutal football teams, brutally good, should I say, to get there. But I think they're like that, you know, they're like that uh, tweener as a defense, uh, edge rusher outside linebacker, right? Or a strong safety outside linebacker, the guy who's fast enough and could probably play strong safety at times uh, explosive enough to go rush the passer, but we're not sure what he is, right? That's the Raiders. That's rich. There's a lot. I, I, it's the same when I am, am evaluating a quarterback, if I was going to draft him in the first five picks, if there's a lot of ifs by my franchise quarterback that I want to draft's name, I can't take him that high. I got to limit the ifs. The problem with the Raiders, they're the ifs. If Josh McDaniels is a leader or an offensive coordinator, is it because is as a coordinator, he's a great play caller. But when he has to, to oversee an entire team, who is Josh McDaniels? We're waiting on that. Is, is, is Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, first three quarters of the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl or the last quarter of the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl? And can he stay on the field? Wise move to give the big fella. If I was him, you turn and hand it and play action with the fella in the backfield and let Josh Jacobs do his thing. Phenomenal football player. Um, 
I, I, to me, it comes down to this, the quarterback position, the leadership and the ability to, I, I think winning's just as contagious as losing and to be able to overcome adversity that we know is going to strike. It, it, it just hits. And so if they can do that, but it, guys, really, they've got great weapons on the perimeter. We know that when they're healthy, the quarterback is a good player and they, they, they don't need him to be the best. They just need him to be efficient and make the big plays and don't miss the easy throw that we've seen at times Jimmy in his past miss if he plays good football, but I think he's a little underrated. Defensively, who are they? Can you pressure the quarterback? Can you prevent Mahomes and Herbert from taking over games? Can you now with Sean Payton there in that division? So it comes down to this. They've got to go. They have got to get after the quarterback, and they've got to play great defense. This is a team that if they can jump up five, six, seven, eight slots and pressure the quarterback – and the offense stays healthy. They will score. They're going to score some points. So, But I do. I think they're a tweener. When people say, Sean, what's your prediction on the Raiders this year? I said, damn. I guess they could be 9-8, nine and, nine and 10-7. and seven, Or they, they could get a couple breaks along the way with their weapons if they get some defense and, and win 11 games. Hell, all the teams in that division could win nine or better. When you think about it, they're, they're pretty loaded. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if – I'm not picking them to go to the playoffs as we sit today. Now, something may change in the next two weeks, but I don't think they're a playoff team because I don't trust the defense. And Josh McDaniels has to prove to me that he can handle calling plays, being the, the head coach, and maximize the building. He's a brilliant, smart guy. Can he maximize the building? And we got to get the Raiders going from being an I-confess-he-did-it team to everybody's got everybody's back. The Raiders that I knew growing up – it didn't really matter who got the credit. They didn't give a rat's ass. It mattered. Did you knock somebody in the mouth? Did you protect your teammate? Did you smoke a cigarette at halftime and then go throw three touchdown passes like Kenny Stabler did? So I don't mean yeah. to draw on the old school Raiders, but isn't that what we're all looking for when we say commitment to excellence, right? The yeah. old Raiders that, you know, beards growing. Well, Max Crosby. Max Crosby, Crosby would have fit perfect. Would, Max would have been perfect on Stabler would have partied with him and then they'd have gone out and won by 30. So yes. Max is a hell of a football player. If they can maximize defense and Josh McDaniels prove that he can do both, run an offense and lead. I don't I didn't say manage. I manage tasks and lead people. I don't right. believe in managing people. That's for the coffee in the building and the rest of it. Lead people. And if he proves he can do that, the Raiders, if they don't make the playoffs, they will disrupt the playoff picture. I'm hoping go. for better than I think, but I think they're sitting in between here with this. I'm not real sure who they are yet. Well, Sean, having I mean, you bring up some really good points there, and I want to touch on that because being ha having been in the NFL, being in those buildings, working with and being led by good coaches and and great men your whole career, talk about that now because I what we what we hear out of camp, what we hear from people around the team is that it's a different day there even though Josh McDaniels was there last year you had the struggle with Derek Carr you had the struggle with Darren Waller they just weren't bought in fully is basically right. the story so now it seems as though they got their guys so to speak they got the idea around hey we're all supporting each other there seems to be a better culture inside the building from your experience talk about how that works and how do you know when it's starting to go and you can feel it have an impact on the team overall and its play eventually. I think there's, and there's a couple layers to what you're saying. Bought in's a great phrase. I can have the greatest coach in the world if they don't buy in at any level. Alabama, Southern Cal, Georgia, 
Raiders, Chargers. If, you, if they did not have buy-in in Denver, that roster in Denver last year, that, that, that's a good enough roster to win a lot of games. Mm. The quarterback you didn't play well, and they didn't buy in, and and you know Hackett was trying to feel his way around, and you know a lot of times the second time around for a head coach, meaning with Josh, should be better. And you mentioned culture; it's an overrated word when we lose, and a really underrated word when you win. It really, it really is. We we use it a lot. It's like a broadcaster who says, you know, a guy makes a two yard run and he misses, makes one guy miss, makes two yard run. We say, oh, what a great run! No, it was a two yard run. Guy makes a tackle when he's supposed to. It's a great. No, it's not a great tackle. It's what, what he's paid to do. It's the same. Oh, culture, culture. Well, part of being having a great culture is buy in. And uh, the Texans here, guys in Houston, D'Amico Ryan's, as you guys know, as a 49er could has been leader when he was before he got here. The energy started to change. And when he got here, it just changed the way they practiced, the way they went about their business, the way they went about not accepting, just being OK on the practice field and showing up late. And, you know, all those things that go with changing the culture, if the culture's changing, and I do believe coaches, you know, Josh doesn't need to be Bill Belichick. Josh's first time around tried to be Belichick and it didn't work. Josh needs to be Josh. Take the good things from Belichick, but you don't, it doesn't always have to be abrasive. It's okay to laugh and joke around and have fun as long as the focus is there. And I think he will. I'm a fan. I just want to see it elevate. So I think what happens with when you get by and you'll get guys to do the lonely work. You'll get guys to start sacrificing for teammates instead of just making it about them. You want everybody to write the book and get the endorsement and win the ring, not just you. It's me. That that when you catch four balls and lose, or you catch eight balls and lose, it's a bothersome. When you catch uh, two balls and win, you're happy with it because you contributed. That's what we're looking for with the Raiders. Just find ways to get it done. Easier said than done. But I'm big on how you practice, how everybody comes to the building. And you can't treat everybody the same. What I may, you know, while you may be able to chew a guy like Max Crosby out because like, oh, well, I'm still going to show up and play, as opposed to some who may need an arm around him. And that's up to Josh to figure out. But I get the same feeling you guys do, and they do, that things are starting to are changing a little bit. It's not like the Raiders are a hack team in the past. They just haven't hit that all cylinders. You know, it's like, man, we, we're just – and, and, and they found ways to lose at times when they should have won. Get my point? They got to, it's like golf. When you want to win on a PJ tour, what do you got to do? You got to birdie the par fives all the time yep. and maybe put in an eagle. And then you got to par the par threes. That means you got to beat the two and 13 teams. You got to, uh, when you, I mean, they're the birdie teams. And then when you play the Chiefs, which is a par or sometimes bogey, you got to find a way to either birdie it or par it once in a while and beat them on the road. So, Leadership's huge. Uh, maybe another overused term, but I can't emphasize enough the teams I've been on that have lacked leadership. I'm not even talking about the coach guys. What happens is I think the great teams, the coach in the offseason and how they prepare, it permeates through the organization. Then all of a sudden, coach sits back and says, my players got it. They'll handle that dispute in the locker room. They'll handle the fight on the field. They'll understand that somebody step in the huddle and make a play. You don't have to do a lot of talking. You lead them there, and then you let them take care of their business. But if you can't get them to that point, they'll always fall short. So it is a very, very slippery slope. Josh comes from the best coach of all time. Josh doesn't need to be the best coach of all time. He just needs to lead and have those guys believe that he knows that they'll take care of their business when necessary. And then it comes down to little things, guys, on the field. It's not. I can drop the greatest game plan in the world. Great X's and O's with average Jimmys and Joes, you lose. Coaches lose games, players win games. 
And then if you got great Jimmys and Joes, I've had it happen before, guys. Coach will send in a play, and you're like, man, the guys in the huddle aren't feeling good about it, even though it may work against that coverage or front, and two-yard loss. Somehow they didn't believe in it. And then the other is true. Damn, that doesn't look real good on the X's and O's, walk to the line of scrimmage. That coverage is not set up for this play. Quarterback, receiver on the right page, get good protection, hold the ball a second longer, bam. Hits him on a late dig route, and it works, and you say, Go back and watch tape. How the hell did that work? Well, they believed it would because they've seen it and walked through it enough times. So it's Jimmy's and Joe's and it's leadership. And you mentioned culture. Culture changes. And I'll tell you what changes culture quicker than anything. It's making sure you don't tolerate crap as a team and you, and you, and you bow your neck, but also win. Win could change culture in a hurry. A fast start for the Raiders would be ideal to also help change the culture of the football team. They're not far off. Plus, they got the best uniforms in the world. So let's friggin' go. <laughs> As Al Davis said, just win, baby, that's right? Exactly that's all that matters. Right. That's, that's, that's right. all that matters. Listen, but we, a, lot, a lot of warts, Mo. A lot of the things can be solved, even if it's a 12 to mm-hmm. 9 win, four field goals. Winning games doesn't. And then all of a sudden, you start to have the believability that you can't lose. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. And we started this conversation talking about it's a quarterback driven league. And there was a lot of conversation when the Raiders signed Jimmy Garoppolo. And I said, look, people said, hey, Mo, Jimmy Garoppolo is a winner. And that's that's good for the Raiders. But you got to remember what Jimmy Garoppolo had in San Francisco. Top tier defense in a run game. Now they have Josh Jake was back. He's back in the fold. That's a good thing. You talked about the defense and their question marks. Now people are going to say, well, he could be kind of like a rich Gannon, kind of come into the Raiders, put up big numbers, win football games. And I Push back a little bit and I say, well, Jimmy Garoppolo's resume a little different. Play for a Super Bowl caliber squad in the 49ers. No disrespect to the Vikings team that you and Rich Gannon played on. Went to the playoffs, but Rich Gannon didn't have, didn't play full-time quarterback starter for the Vikings for multiple seasons as Jimmy did. So my question to you is, what do you expect out of Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you expect his numbers to go up with Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers, Josh McDaniels, as you said, a good play caller? Do you expect him to carry more of the load on offense than he did in San Francisco. Yeah, and, and to, to just with a smile on my face, my teammate and friend and who I could have been more proud of the way Rich transformed his career. Mm-hmm. When he came into Minnesota and had, it was like he had eyes in the back of his head. You know, he was so athletic. And then he went through Kansas City. And when it got to the point where you get a little older and don't move like he used to, although Rich, then he became a full-fledged in the doggone hula hoop in the pocket Knew well, he and Gruden battling to see who gets to the office sooner. And Rich became such a great hell, knew where to throw it before the ball was snapped. I could have been more proud. Now, if Jimmy wins the MVP in the league, the Raiders are going to the playoffs. Okay, that I can tell you. If, if Jimmy's the MVP, but they're different types of players, there's no doubt. And you're right, Rich getting healthy from his shoulder back in Minnesota, then on to Washington through Kansas City. Phenomenal, phenomenal late run in his career as well. And I couldn't have been more proud of him. Yeah. What I expect from Jimmy is this. Now, listen, the one thing, Jimmy, guys, go back and watch is Jimmy missed some easy throws in big games. I'm not worried about the hard throw. I'm worried about the easy one. The guy's open on a corner route and you can't miss him out of the back of the end zone. Those are the things that I think Jimmy and maybe we overrate those, but you can't miss. the. I call them the ordinary plays you have to make all the time. The best players we've ever seen at the position, Montana and Brady, Breeze, Manning, uh, the way Mahomes plays Burrow, what do they do, guys? They make the ordinary play. Now, you see Mahomes in a highlight, sidearm and falling down. That's not where he lives. He just makes those that other guys don't. But the other plays, he doesn't miss the bubble screen to, to Kelsey at the, at the five-yard line. He doesn't miss the slant in an open window. Those things, you have to make the ordinary play. And then every now and then, 
let those guys go do work and turn it into an extraordinary play. From Jimmy, I expect him to be accurate. I expect him to them to run the football and use play action to their advantage in formation and multiple formations and sets to try and create mismatches for Devontae and to try and get a, a front that's favorable to your offensive line so Josh can do his job. But when they do decide to bunch it and they say, I'm going to make – because you're going into the St. Jimmy's going to have to beat me, whether it's making sure he's healthy – and, that, and I have a lot of respect for Garoppolo because I go on in San Francisco every week and I've been for years saying, you know what, we don't give him the record, the, the respect he deserves because he does win. Even if he's on a good team, he wins when he was in San Francisco. Got to stay on the field. But Jimmy's going to have to make a few plays. The thing that I'm curious about is the vertical, down-the-field stretch passing game. When they start to squeeze you, he is going to have to make the big post, the whole shot, the go route where it's, you got to drop it in a tight window the size of a coffee can, those things. Jimmy, I know the players are going to rally around. George Kittle has always said the players in the locker room love Jimmy. Yeah. They freaking loved him. So that's not going to be a problem, the leadership. It's make the ordinary play all the time. And when they decide they're going to squeeze you and make Josh Jacobs rush 22 times for 60 yards, what's then what? But here's the deal. you got perimeter people, and you are so right, Mo. Listen, we started to talk about it. Well, I know McCaffrey came in late, but they as good a running team as, they, as we see in the league in San Francisco. They weapon at tight end. They get you the ball on defense. They got like a stud in a, in a, in a top five player, like eight positions in San Francisco. So, But then you got Devontae, and you got Josh, and you got uh, you know some guys up front that can go get it. You got Max. I mean, this is a team that's got some players as well. But he can't miss the ordinary play. If Jimmy Garoppolo makes the ordinary play and protects the football this year, the Raiders will be in it. I don't know if in December where they're going to go, but they will be in it. So I don't expect him to be rich in the MVP of the league, but damn, if he gave me about 85 or 90% of Rich's year or played like he did the year they went to the Super Bowl and he was 3 of 11 in the fourth quarter, the Raiders will be hanging around. Jimmy is a good player. Jimmy's not going to change the franchise. But Jimmy can sure help. Listen, Derek Carr was a hell of a football player, a hell of a footballer. But that ship had sailed. It was time. Both of them got a little stale like Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, and not comparing those two. But it got stale. It was time for Jordan Love and for Rodgers and his game to move on to somewhere else. So I'm anxious to see. Um, Jimmy's got to stay on the field. And if he does for 17 games, I, I would expect the Raiders to be highly competitive. But you know where their bread's buttered. Go get the quarterback, run the football, and you've got to hit some big plays. But the ordinary plays are going to have to be regular. And Josh knows Jimmy. He knows Jimmy's strengths and weaknesses because he's had him. So we'll see how he elevates that play and uses not only horizontally but also vertically the football field. And you have to do both in this league now. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch that as it unfolds uh, throughout this season. All right, Sean, you've been so kind with your time. We appreciate it. We want to close on this because I'm coming to work for you. Technically, um, you are also the president of the Pro Sports Fan app. I know there's a, a, a company also that I forgot the name of the company. You'll have to remind me. I should know. Well, it's relevant was the parent yeah, company. The Pro parent Sports company. Fans is now the company. That's a better right. name and, a, and, and it fits exactly what we're trying to do. That's right. So so what it is, why don't you tell people about the app? I'm, I'm just ecstatic to be a part of it as we go into the season. And you got people throughout the entire league uh, doing this, but but I really love the concept behind this. Explain what you're doing with the app, and then we'll talk about people, how they can go get it, and how they can listen in uh, for Raider games this season. Well, I, I think it's a game changer, guys. I, I do. And they approached me. They've been in with the, you know, the key is we talked about X's and O's, making sure the technology fits, getting the X's and O's on, on the technology to be able to pull it off, and we have. 
And I, I couldn't be more thrilled, you know, been in the business 30 years and I'm as excited about this as I am when I go and we're, we're doing this interview and the passion about mm-hmm. this, but being the, and they approached me about it and they're trying to use bandwidth and go get the right people, guys like you, and in all the cities in this league, in baseball and football and basketball, and it'll eventually we're going into college. We call it pro sports fans, but we'll have college sports fans as well. And they asked me to be the president because they know I was passionate about it. And, you know, you get presented stuff like this a lot. This one hit. It hit different for me. And what it is, not to bore you with a lot of details, but it's a it's the most fan-friendly engagement app on the planet. The technology has given us the opportunity to go on and have 4,000 people watching or listening to your show but that's the key it's not linear where you go on and put up a tweet and somebody comes back i can go on have people come in it's a live podcast show and we do like the media cast manning cast on game day every game will be covered in every city in this league but during the week on a third you'll give your raiders update and what's going on and give your passion but 200 people come in and they're there and they're it's like an in-studio live audience but they're on their phone simply on your phone and the technology to push a button to make it simple. Cause guys, listen, I, I still write notes down. So, you know, the technology for the president <laughs> of the damn company needed to be simple, but we've got great tech team, great leadership, but back to the Jimmy's and Joe's, if we don't have compelling content, this won't be worth a damn. We do. We have compelling people that are going to be doing it, that are passionate, that love it. And we always talk about how important the fans are yet. We talk at them instead of with them. Like we're doing, now this is great stuff. You know what? People are going to send in messages and you're going to try to get back to them. That is right there. You do a great interview, got somebody on and bam, pop them in. Somebody can talk to the person you're interviewing, whether they come on and want to hear their voice in their face, or you just want to put it on the screen like you would on Twitter. We've given you all these options, plus the gambling part where you can push it and, and get to a site and come back. Uh, we're not in the gambling technology business. We leave that to those people with all those rules and regulations, but we'll have that. And then to monetize it for our talent where people can come on in and subscriptions and donations. Yeah. We're on to something really special because we always talk about the fans. It's time to actually give the fans what they deserve, a chance to be with us, not, not oh, man, I, want, I, want, I have a question for Sean or Mo. Well, come on in, man, every yeah. time. So we will go wall-to-wall coverage. And I actually think it's going to be not only a game changer, but epic, not only for the fan, but investor and sponsors. And quite frankly, for getting news out there right now, we could be walking down the street and that, bam, I'm going to do a 20 minute show. Let's do it. Sitting here in a restaurant. Let's go get them on. It's engagement. It's fan engagement and communities that allow you to bring everybody together. And I couldn't be more excited to be the president. And I'm going to be listening and watching everybody and you guys, and you don't have FCC rules, so let it rip, man. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. And and you're absolutely right. It's a great way because people jump right in and you can, it's, it's, I, my wife was trying to get the, this, the, the gist of it. And I was telling her, well, you know what? It's like Manning cast. Okay. She kind of got that. But then I said, it's like, I get to sit in a room, like I'm watching a game with a bunch of men or women and they're just hanging out and they're all talking and we're having fun and can interact with it. And you're right. So there's such great media out there covering the NFL, major league baseball, NBA, but you don't get to, it's not immersive. This is immersive. So uh, kudos to you and the team. Cause it's going to be Thank fun. I'm really and imagine on the Manning cast, would it be cool? And they do such a great job. Hell, who doesn't like watching those cats? But can you imagine like when Peyton makes fun of Eli, if you could come on into that living room with them from your phone and talk with them? Yeah. That's what we're doing. Now, we may not have been, uh, 
trust me, I'm not even a household name in my own home like Peyton Manning is around the world. But we're building – and you know what we're going to define throughout this too? People that some people don't know much about that are new in this business and in the, in the media casting and broadcast business, they're going to rear their head as stars because you're going to get a yeah. platform to be heard and fans deserve to come in and be a part of this. It'll be – and then we'll have it where the Raiders are playing the Broncos or the Raiders and the Chiefs. Both the teams from both our media cast from both will come in and do it together. Do a joint. So it's yeah. so it's the good banter going on, and <laughs> you can control a lot of it. I, I couldn't be more excited. I'm honored to be the president, but I'm more honored as, as well to see all this great talent come together. And we're going to dominate this football season. And we, I may not be a household name, but PSF will by the time this season's over. By the way, quick story, Sean, and we'll let you go. But in my house, you are well-known, but you're not well-known as the quarterback or the talk show host. You're well-known as the guy from Benchwarmers with my boys because they uh, yeah, loved your performance. And actually, I loved your performance in Benchwarmers. It was I feel like I got snubbed. Best supporting yeah. <laughs> actor in a comedy role, man. I got, I got snubbed. No, You should have. <laughs> and I don't know why the phone's still not ringing. You should have. Uh, yeah. That uh, role. My man Sandler had asked me to do it, and I was yep. fortunate I trained him for the longest yard, and then he put me in the movie. And haven't been in watching those guys do their work, the, you know, the people he worked. And first off, whatever <laughs> you think about Sandler in a good way, times it times 100. Yeah. He's as fine a human being as you'll ever meet. Doesn't get caught up in all this. Just a good old family guy who puts out, you know, loves the people he works with and, and fiercely loyal. But I had a blast with that. And, you know, I'll go coach at a football camp and teach kids. And all of a sudden, they'll be looking at me different. I know they have no idea that I played. <laughs> and they've seen me on broadcast. Their parents know that I played on broadcast. And then yeah. they're looking. And all of a sudden, I say, okay, I know there's the elephant in the room. And then I'll tell him. And from then on, I got the, the kid, the, the, the 14-year-old's full attention on the football field. Well, you that's the guy, yeah. Brad, the, 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 the titty twister guy in bench yeah. warmers. Now, <laughs> no matter what I tell him, is gold, right? So now yeah. I start the camp or any place I go with the speech saying, yeah, that's me. And then, I'll, then I'm the coolest guy in town. Other than that, they don't, they don't give a hill of beans what I've done. So, yes, <laughs> I'm pretty fortunate. And real quick, one of the greatest – Fun parts of my career after doing that and being on that set with those guys for months was going into the opening night with my kids and about 20 of their buddies and a oh. sold out movie theater like at Cinemark. And you're sitting there, nobody knows. And you're just listening to the laughs and the responses. And like, this is really pretty cool. Even though you've played on TV and play, it's like, this was different. So I kind of got a feel for that big screen. Those guys are at a whole different level than us goofballs who put a helmet on. But it was a, <laughs> it was a blast and I, it was a humbling experience, but it was honored. If I get somebody to listen to me because I can fool them with the fact that I was in bench warmers, have at it, but I'll, I'll take it any day I can get it. Well, it uh, appreciated it. My kids loved it. So we, we and I, I thought it was hysterical. So Thank good you, on I you, Sean Salisbury. Of course, you catch him on Sports Talk Seven Ninety in Houston, which you can get on the iHeart app if you're outside of the market. But we certainly appreciate it, Sean. I look forward to uh, being involved with PSF this year, and I'm sure we'll catch up with you hopefully uh, down the line and during the season. Anytime you guys need me, go Raiders. Let's go Silver and Black. And to all you folks listening and watching. Get that PSF app and watch these shows, and let's go. Let's hopefully we can get the Raiders about three or four extra wins this year, and one of them in February. That'd be nice. And I appreciate <laughs> you guys having me on. Oh, yeah. Anytime, I'm honored. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. We appreciate Thanks, Sean. it. All sure. right, Thanks, there guys. you have it.
Sean Salisbury joining us here on Silver and Black today. Uh, great conversation. Such a great guy. And and we didn't get a chance to talk about young quarterbacks because he just still does a lot of coaching, Mo. So we didn't get to ask the Aiden O'Connell story, but some really good nuggets there. The Jimmy Garoppolo stuff, of course, the culture the, in the building, the coaching stuff. Just, you know, that's why we had him on. Uh, a great guest. We went long in this segment, really long, because Sean just knows his stuff, man. He's good, good guest. And, and those are the best interviews, right? I remember, yes. Sean, being on ESPN. I remember watching all the games on Sunday, and then he would come on after the games, and he would give his honest opinion. He wouldn't sugarcoat. Because, totally. you know, sometimes a lot of former players like to protect other players. They don't, you're not critical. They don't want to criticize. Let's say he would go after guys, but he would give unfiltered opinion. And it was good to see that live on our show just yeah. to have that. So, Again, just thanks to Sean. Shout out to him for what he's doing in the PSF app. Absolutely, and he's he's played. You know, he's been there at the highest levels yep. from from high school through college in the NFL. Of course, he he always jokes about his NFL career. It wasn't a stellar <laughs> career, but he was around. He was around. He he was in the buildings. He understood. And obviously, developed those relationships there. There, and for those of you out there, uh, Sean Salzer. Raider fan, lifelong Raider fan. He grew up Ra- in San Diego County, just about twelve miles east of where I grew up. And he's always been a Raiders fan. And that that was the thing for me. I, I didn't realize that until I started digging into history. It's like, oh, he's 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 a Raider fan. He's one of us. Well, obviously, <laughs> us as in me and fans watching this. That's true, Scott. No, yeah, I'm oh, just Scott. kidding. But because <laughs> that's what I was waiting for. Oh, oh, Scott, you grew up a Charger fan, so you have a Charger quarterback on. Yeah, he's a Raider fan. But, but anyway, but I was good glad times. I was good able times. to get. I was, I was also sorry, Scott, but I was also glad that I was able to get that insight on Rich Gannon out of him because, as I said, on, while he was on, he and Rich Gannon were teammates for a year in Minnesota, so Great he question. gave us that insight on who Rich Gannon was before he got to the Raiders. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Yes, that's why we have you on here, buddy. Pulled out that question. That's a good one. All right. I know this has been a long segment, so we're going to take our final break here on the Tuesday edition of Silver and Black today. We come back. Mo and I will close out the show talking a little bit about roster moves ahead. It is cut day. It's cut day. We'll talk a little bit more about that and some expectations surrounding the Raiders and what needs they still might have even after camp and the preseason. You're with Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, home stretch here on the Tuesday edition of Silver and Black today on cutdown day in the NFL. A tough day for a lot of <coughs> folks out there. A great day for others. Where will the Raiders end up? We'll keep you updated throughout the day. Mo, tell everybody about your, by the way, Scott Cobranson, Mo Moten, your host back here. Mo, tell everybody, I know you got a live bleacher report reaction as soon as the roster cuts are released, which if it's the Raiders, normal modus operandi. They're due at 4 Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, which means you'll get the Raiders cuts at about 1.05 p.m. would be my guess. (laughs) So tell everybody what they can expect with your live up on Bleacher Report. So my Bleacher Report live, we'll go through some surprises if there are any. I'll get the surprises from the people in the chat because I'm sure they're going to have interesting things to say about who the Raiders let go, who they kept. We'll also talk about who they might sneak back onto the practice squad because as you all know, after the team set their final 50-man rosters, you start to build your practice squad. Some young guys, some veterans. I believe there are 10 spots and there are four protected spots. Those guys can be called up a certain amount of times during, during the regular season before they have to be elevated to the main roster uh, permanently. So we'll talk about surprises, who should have went, who should have who should have uh, 
who should have stayed and the practice squad on the live today, maybe at 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. Somewhere around there. Uh, Pacific time, somewhere around there. But as you said, knowing the Raiders, it'll be 5, 10, 15 minutes after the deadline. That's correct. And we will also have reaction to that with either a silver and black blitz or some kind of special show. So stay tuned for that as well as I do know we will have a uh, silver and black blitz tomorrow, uh, not only related to the roster changes, but also doing a quick conversation with former Raiders quarterback Jay Schrader and Rich Perez, who's also another Raider broadcaster in Las Vegas. So stay tuned for that. We'll have some more details coming up. But it's going to be a busy day around here, a busy day around the Mo Moten uh, bunker somewhere in New York City <laughs> as we get set for this big, big day and um, the Raiders get set for the season. 12 days away, Mo. This is sort of, uh, I say we have, this, this is really the last weekend for those of people who cover the NFL, they're covering it now, but it's the last weekend without games. So it's kind of the, you get to breathe one second before the sprint until February and uh, mid-February starts. Um, but this Raiders team, I want to talk about this with you, Mo, because I think we'll find out more, obviously, later today when this roster solidifies. I also think that people need to pay attention. I think there might be, and there already may have been, in the time we were recording this, some trades that happened. The players going outbound and players coming inbound. This is the time also where teams might go grab some guys before they know the team's going to cut them or not, or if they're, if they're uh, an, at a need position. The Raiders, when we look at this, and you did your 53-man roster projection, again, the one position that screams a need for an upgrade is linebacker. You talked about Patrick Queen. We've talked about that for months now. Uh, I don't know that it's possible. It still could be. We'll see. But at the same time, my guess is you will see that come in. You will also maybe see uh, some other folks that could be uh, signed and, and put on that practice squad. But what do you expect here as far as players that may still be on their way out of Las Vegas or find their way somewhere else due to the fact that the Raiders really need to upgrade that linebacker position? It's the only one that screams at me. How about you? Yeah, that's where I threw in the curveball of my depth chart pro projections. I actually have four guys. I have, who is it? Divine Diablos, Robert Spillane, it's Amaria Bernie, and it's Curtis Bolton. That's my four guys named at linebacker. I have a fifth spot basically open where I just wrote in trade acquisition because I think the Raiders are going to acquire someone who's going to make the 50-man roster, acquire a linebacker who's going to make the 50-man roster. And... He'll be not a surprise because I think a lot of people expect the race to make a move at linebacker. If you look on social media, a lot of people are hoping <laughs> not a lot. They're not sources saying the race are going to make a move at <laughs> linebacker, but there's a lot of hope that they will based on what we've seen, because I think I went, I remember going on with you and Murph in the post game. And I said, the back end linebacker guys lost an opportunity to show out against the Cowboys against the Cowboys. The Cowboys had a yes. lot of the, a lot of open field in the middle to work with. Will Greer was the quarterback and I just felt like I understand these are backups and third stringers, but there was an opportunity for one of the linebackers to really show out and show that oh, I could be the fourth, fifth linebacker who could step in if Divine Diablo, Robert Splane get hurt. I didn't see that. So I think Dave Ziegler, despite what he says, I know they're going to say, oh, we like our linebacker core. We like what we have. I, I think they see what we see and they need some at least depth there. Maybe not a starter. Maybe they really like Robert Splane and Divine Diablo as a pair, as a duo. 
but they need some depth there because the depth did not look good in that last preseason game. So I wrote in trade acquisition at the linebacker spot. I think they acquire someone and that guy makes a 50 male roster. Of course he would have to. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the areas too, that they have a nice problem, <laughs> a nice problem is on the defensive <laughs> line. If you look at what, what's going on, the guys that I, that I listed, um, of course, Max Crosby, Bilal Nichols, Jerry Tillery, Chandler Jones, Young, Kuntz, Jenkins, uh, Butler. Now, Farrell Jr., same draft pick, right? I like those young guys, but but the odd man out here, as well as I thought as he do, as he's done towards the end of it, is Nesta Jade Silvera, who I think, um, do you risk putting him on, uh, on the wave list to put on the practice squad? Uh, it's a good problem to have, but but... I'm just not sure what's going to happen later today with that defensive line because it's been great competition up there, and I've seen great performance. Now, against the Cowboys, was different. You saw a lot of the other guys who are cut on the list, like Adam Plant and Rochelle and those guys. Um, what do you think here, Mo? What did you have on your 53-man roster when it came to those last two or three spots? It wouldn't shock me if Nesta J. Severa is letting go and they try to stash him on the practice squad. Will he make it back to the practice squad? We'll see if he is cut. But I felt like whenever you watch the final preseason game, it's for the last three or four spots on the roster, maybe mm-hmm. two or three, depending on how stacked your roster is. And I felt like he made a strong case to make the 53 man over Matthew Butler. Because I'll, I'll ask this question for anyone listening, for Raiders fans listening, follow the team over the past year, which is not long. When have you thought to yourself, man, the Raiders have to keep Matthew Butler because they have something special on that guy. <laughs> he has shown absolutely, and I'm not ripping him, but he has shown no. absolutely nothing yeah. since they drafted him in the fifth round last year. Even with Farrell, you can see moments where he could be that run stopper, get some pressure up the middle. I've seen absolutely zilch from Matthew Butler to show that we should, you know, not we, but the Raiders should keep him on the on the final roster. There are times where I know Nesta J. Severa is a rookie, but in that Cowboy game, he got some pressure when I think he was only one of maybe three or two Raiders to lay a finger on Will Greer in that entire game because Will Greer was running up and down the field, throwing the ball up and down the field. Nesta J. Severa, to me, was one of the lone bright spots on that defensive line in that defensive in that front seven period. So seeing that and seeing the urge, seeing his gameplay, I, I think he has a chance to make it. I, I wouldn't lock him in. Simply because maybe it's you know too a little too late. Maybe if he had played well or stood out in every preseason game, better chance. But I think as time went on, he he showed something that Matthew Butler hasn't shown me, which is which is he, he can he could do something on that defensive line because Matthew Butler just hasn't to me hasn't done much. Uh, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Anybody out there who's a Matthew Butler guy or gal out there, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. But I just yeah. haven't seen anything from him. And I think if if, if it's between Matthew Butler and Nesta Jade Savera, I, I would keep Nesta Jade Savera. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand because in I've reviewed four different 53-man roster projections. Um, the Athletics, I think, was done by by uh, Tashawn and, and Vic and yours, Vic. Sports Illustrated's, and one other. And I find that the 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 Matthew Butler has made every roster, I think, except for yours. Um, and, and, and to me, I don't understand it either, but I think this is sometimes, and you would think, you would think that in the NFL, best player wins, it's a meritocracy, whoever's the best player, they're going to make the team. But in reality, the political part of this is worth a draft pick of this 
and where were they drafted? So, and, and sometimes coaches, I've, you've seen it, Mo, I've seen it. Sometimes coaches fall in love with players and they will give them more time than maybe somebody who was a seventh round draft pick or was held over from the previous regime. It just goes that way sometimes. I had a good friend who was was fortunate enough to make the AAA baseball and he literally, they went through a couple GM firings in three years. He was on the path to make the major leagues. Would he have stayed? Who knows? But he was going to get his chance to at least get a cup of coffee in the major leagues. And a new a new GM came in, decided that, hey, we need to go a different direction. And it's like his manager told him, look, they're never going to promote you. Well, yeah, but I have the stats. doesn't matter. And I think sometimes that politics, that piece of it just happens. Yeah. And it's unfortunate for the guys who do it. So uh, I think with, with, with uh, Nesta Jade Silvera, I think he'll find a spot if he doesn't stay on that Raiders practice squad. The last thing I want to talk about with you, and again, some of this might already have happened as we record this for Tuesday morning, but you look at the cornerback position. Um, Amik Robertson, a lot of people have him making the roster. I did not. Uh, but some of the cuts, I think, that are, are pretty assured to happen, Brandon Faison, uh, Ike Brown, Bryce Cosby, Aziz Hearn, and, of course, uh, Sam Webb. Mo, when you look at that cornerback position, again, having Peters, Bennett, Hobbs, Long, and uh, and even Shelley, who made a run for the roster, uh, that's not an easy cut either, although I think the play and who was playing late in the game against Dallas is indicative of who we will see later today as the being on that 53-man roster. Like the linebacker room, the cornerback room didn't show well against the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. A lot yeah. of missed tackles. There was some blown coverages, soft coverage. Maybe that's the fault of Patrick Graham. But the, the, what stood out to me about the cornerbacks on the negative side is David Long Jr., not a good tackler. Mm-hmm. Not a good tackler. I, I think on multiple occasions he blew tackles. I, I wouldn't trust that guy on, on, on an island with a wide receiver because – that wide receiver catches a football and he's a he's a yak monster. David Long Jr. is going to give up an extra 10 to 15 yards, maybe because because of his poor tackling. So I, I left him off the roster simply because of that. I know he was a former day two pick for the Rams. I get all of that. He has the potential, but I, I just couldn't trust him. Now, the change that I made from last week to this week was I dropped Sam Webb. I had Sam Webb making the roster initially last week. Dropped him for safety, Isaiah Polamau, who we'll talk about shortly. But remember, last year the Raiders kept five cornerbacks. So I cut it down from six to five on this final depth chart. And I actually, as you said, I have Amik Robertson being cut simply because with the addition of Marcus Peters and Jacorian Bennett, who are locks to make the roster, makes it harder for Amik. Now, people are, are going to put Amik on their depth chart simply out of by default because, as mm-hmm. I said, the cornerbacks didn't shot well. So no one really made their case over a meek. It's just the fact that I have Tyler Hall on the roster. I was surprised to see on the athletic, they have Tyler Hall getting cut. Uh, that kind of shocked me a bit because Tyler Hall, number one, he, I think he's going to be the primary backup slot guy, but he can also play safety. And I think they value that versatility. So I have Tyler Hall making the roster where the, where the athletic does not. No. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And look, everybody's got their opinion on that. And, and I think, yeah, having Long Jr. and Robertson on the roster, interesting take by the athletic folks. Uh, SI did not have them on there. But anyway, you look at that safety, Mo. Look at this. Trayvon Merrick, I think, is going to get his chance, obviously, to do that. Marcus yeah. Epps, I think, has won out the other spot, in my view. Uh, then you have Chris Smith. You talked about Paul Mao. 
also Roderick Teamer, who's who's been a a, a good player uh, and he he's a great player on special teams. Um, he, I have him below the cut line, as do I think everybody. Uh, but you talk about that safety position, another one of those positions where, while it's not because of of Merrick and what he's able to do. And what we saw his rookie season, I have a little more faith that he can have a comeback season. We'll see. But at the same time, not as poor as the linebacker play, I think. Not, I shouldn't say poor play. The, the depth at linebacker is a concern. At safety, I just, as I said on the last show, I think, in the postgame show, I just don't know how to feel about it because we haven't seen them really suit up and play and be challenged. So I think that first game against Denver, although Denver now without Jerry Judy, uh, continues to, I think, struggle into the preseason or into the season. Um, what do you think about the safety? And and talk about Teamer particularly. He's also kind of a fan favorite. People like him because he's been around. But where did you end up with those guys? And what was your justification for uh, the four the four safeties that you did hold on the roster? Well, as you said, Marcus Epps and Trayvon Merrick are locks. Chris Smith, the, Chris Smith, the second makes roster simply because he's fifth round draft pick, not a high draft pick, but usually you keep most of your fifth rounders to give them a chance to develop. Now, initially, I had Roderick Teamer as the fourth safety and I cut it off there. I didn't have Isaiah Palomar on the roster. But as I just said, I dropped Sam Webb, cut the cornerbacks down to five and kept five safeties. And the Raiders kept five safeties last year. Isaiah Palomar was one of them. Mm-hmm. The reason I have Isaiah Palomar on the roster is because he is that hybrid player. He's about 6'4", 220 something pounds. He could play, I believe, linebacker and safety. And I, again, I think Patrick Graham values that versatility. There are some people who came at me on Twitter X and said, Mo, I don't have Roderick Teamer making the final 50 minute uh, roster. And I said, Roderick Teamer's value to the team is very similar to Brandon Bolden's on offense. People, a lot of people forget special teams. When they make their depth yes. charts, they're just yes. thinking primary offense, defense. These, Coaches, especially your special teams coordinator, values guys, core special teams guys. So the guys that play the most snaps on special teams usually make the roster again. And if they cut those guys, they have to replace them because it is an important phase of the game, but we often forget about it. So Brandon Bolton on offense played 60% of the snaps on special teams last year. I expect him to be back. Roderick Teamer played a lot of snaps on special teams with the Raiders. I expect him to be back because that's where his value is. Doesn't play a lot of safety snaps. But I think McMahon, the special teams coordinator, is going to want him back this year to lead that special teams group. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mo, I mean, look, we're coming up on the first game here in 12 days, September 10th, against the Denver Broncos up at Mile High. Uh, you look at this Raiders team, and I, I don't know, it's not because of any one specific reason, but bringing Jacobs back into the fold, as we talked about in the first segment, and then what they have going for them. Yes, there's the question marks on defense. But to me, I'm starting to feel much more optimistic. You and I both picked this team to have seven, eight wins. I think I had eight. I think you had seven. Uh, and I think that if they can keep, again, there's ifs. I understand that there's ifs with everything. <laughs> if they can keep Jimmy Garoppolo healthy, um, I think the team could surprise people. I really, I'm not sitting here being a shill. That's not what we do here. We're very honest. But, but I'm almost to the point where I believe that this team, if they can get the kind of defensive play they had up front in the preseason, I know, if again, that happens, this team could, the dynamic could change completely. It's a tough division. I think we're going to know a lot about this team within the first three weeks of the season with those two road games 
followed by their first game at Allegiant Stadium. Um, if they can come out of that with a with a surprising two and one record or even a three and zero record, I think they could end up uh, in a good spot there. What's your overall feeling? I'm not asking you to move off your seven win projection. But what am I asking you is, after seeing what they've done, and they still have some moves to make today and over the next few days, but what's what's your mood now on where the Raiders are and the potential they have to perhaps be a surprise, as we talked about with Sean Salisbury in the interview segment uh, of, of this season in the NFL and in the AFC West? My mood isn't overly like, okay, they're going to now win 12 games yeah. now because Josh Jacobs is back. But like you, I, I think the the move around the race has been uplifted because a lot of a lot of the press clippings, a lot of the headlines in the offseason have been negative around the Raiders. Is sure. Devontae Adams getting traded? Does he want out? Josh Jacobs, is he gonna come back? Is he gonna pull Le'Veon Bell? Jimmy Garoppolo, is he gonna stay healthy? Is it even healthy to, to practice at training camp? Remember, we faced all of those questions. We answered answered a lot of those questions from our emailers over the offseason and so far so good jimmy garoppolo i know he he only played a series in the preseason i understand that jimmy garoppolo looks ready to go Devonte adams hasn't said anything negative that that the media can glom onto and use as a headline josh jacobs is back with his new number eight it's it's those are positive things right that doesn't mean that the raiders are going to win a super bowl but you want to see positive going into the regular season just like you want to see you want to build some momentum from the preseason into the regular season. I know the Raiders didn't play well against the Cowboys, but I think having that offense together, as we said in the first segment, Raiders are spending the fifth most cap dollars on their offense. If you are spending the fifth most cap dollars in your <laughs> offense, your <laughs> offense better be scoring points. Regardless of what the defense does, your offense has to score points. <laughs> with, with, you know, with with that, with the personnel that they have, with the oh, yeah. you're, you're investing in that unit. So I feel like the Raiders offense is good enough to score points. It's going to come down to how quickly that defense comes together with the guys that they have. Now, I, now, as you said, you're going to learn a lot about the defense early. They got to play against Josh Allen and Justin Herbert within the first four weeks of the season, right? So that defense is going to be tested early. That pass rush is going to be tested early. But I, I said this on the Bleach Report Live when the schedule first came out. I think the defense is going to get better as the season go, goes on because Tyree Wilson and Byron Young missed a chunk of training camp with injuries. Those guys aren't going to be busting out like gangbusters the first four weeks of the season. You're going to see a lot more from them, you know, around Thanksgiving. Hopefully by October, you want to see start to see more of them on the field play, see their snap count increase, see their workload increase. But I think fans are going to get antsy if they don't see Tyree Wilson and Byron Young make plays early. They're going to say, "Oh, wasted draft picks." Dave Ziegler, what is he doing? These guys aren't doing much. And I think people need to remember. When you're a rookie that misses valuable snaps and reps in the offseason, you're going to probably start off slow. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be the case for Wilson and Young. But as as October rolls around, as Halloween rolls around, hopefully they get more snaps and they make an impact and make it difficult for guys like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert within the division. Yes. And I think you saw this last year because remember how bad the offensive line was last year. Now, again, I think there's something that I, th I think you can't argue in my book, that the Raider defensive front especially, and the defensive backfield, the middle, and eh, we'll see, has gotten better. They have, I think they have more talent. It's shown in the preseason. But they have to perform when it counts, number one. Number two, they have to get used to each other. That's what I always talk about that cohesiveness, especially on the lines in the trenches. 
you get it. Like you get to communicate. You, you got to read what the what the offense is doing. Those guys, it takes a little bit of time. So I'm just reinforcing your point, Mo, which is it's going to take time to gel outside of the young players like Tyree Wilson, who in just a very few number of downs against Dallas looked really good. People who didn't think so, I don't understand what they're looking at. But to my view, he had a nice little thing. He's only going to get better uh, by week five or six, I think, is when he'll start to really shine uh, if he does it. But go ahead. If, if anyone wants a fair breakdown of Tyree Wilson, check out our guy, Baldy, who's with the Odyssey Sports fam. He did a yeah. fair – he didn't just throw rose petals at Tyree Wilson's feet because no. he tossed a, a Dallas Cowboys off- offensive lineman. He also showed a moment where Tyree Wilson has to be able to beat a tight end one-on-one. He's a you're a defensive lineman. You don't want to get blocked by a tight end. That happened to Tyree Wilson in the first game, but I'm sure as he gets his feet under him, He'll be a lot stronger at the point of attack with more consistency. The other thing I didn't mention about the Rays defensive line is Chandler Jones. We still don't know what the status on mm-hmm. him is. If he's still out and Malcolm Coons has to play, you know, it, it, I don't want to say it's a significant drop-off because Chandler Jones wasn't great last year, but he picked it up toward the end once the Rays picked up Jerry Tillery. What's that defensive line going to look like if Chandler Jones isn't on the field for week one or the beginning part of the season? That's a great point, and that could that could also facilitate the need for another body too. And and depending, mm-hmm. we're going to see. There's always a couple surprise cuts around the league, uh, and guys mm-hmm. that could end up being in Las Vegas who could help out at any number of positions. So we'll see how it all goes down the rest of today. Mo, I know, like you, uh, I'm going to be busy over the next day uh, covering cutdowns, final rosters. But tell everybody again today. You're going to have around 4 p.m. or whenever we get the the Raiders roster (laughs) cuts, you're going to be doing your live Bleacher Report. Tell people how to watch that and then also tell people what else you have coming in the written format. As soon as the Raiders turn in their, their final cuts, log into the Bleacher Report app. I'll also tweet a link out to just join me for a BR live stream. We'll talk about the final cuts, what you think, what I think, what we think is going to happen with the practice squad. I also have a reaction piece up on sportsnot.com, just breaking down what the roster is going to look like going into the regular season. Because as I just said, there are going to be some injuries. There are going to be some guys that are going to go on IR after the roster cut, after the roster cuts are made. So what that means is, if you're on the injury, if you're on injury reserve before roster cuts are made, your season is over. So that's guys like Britton Brown who were put on IR, who was put on IR on Sunday. If you're put on IR after the 50-man roster is is set. You're able to come back during the season. So the Raiders, I think some of the guys that are nicked up, hopefully not Chandler Jones, hopefully not Ja'Cory mm-hmm. Bennett, but I'm sure every year this happens, guys are going to go on IR and be able to come back within, you know, early in the season. So we'll see because that's going to open up some roster spots and be the Raiders will be able to fill some shallow spots on a depth chart at linebacker, at offensive line maybe, at on the defensive line. Maybe Chandler Jones is going to be out longer than they expected and they have to go out and get another pass rusher. We'll find out. Yes, so make sure you do that. Follow Mo on Twitter, X-M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. Also, just a, a quick note, uh, and, and, and Mo knows about this, and that is I actually have accepted a role as an editor and NFL writer over at sportsnot.com full-time. So, yes, thank you, Mo. I appreciate that. So uh, it's interesting because I've been doing this show, for those of you who don't know, because sometimes people tweet things at me, Mo, and they're like, oh, you guys make your living this way. And it's like, well, actually – this was just kind of a side thing for me over the last seven years, in addition to the writing and all that stuff. Now, for the first time in a long time, I'm going to be able to do it full time. So I'll be covering 
uh, sports up on sportsnot.com as well as, of course, the Raiders. But uh, overall, be, I might even have to edit your stuff, Mo. I mean, I used to do that, and it was it was actually a pleasure. And I don't just say that because you're my buddy and you're my co-host. But when you get good, clean copy as an editor, it makes a huge difference. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. But I'm going to be full-time, uh, which means we can demote, devote more time to this and to uh, sports overall. So I'm looking forward to that. And um, you can you can follow me on Twitter, LV Gully. And I'll start tweeting stuff out that I'm involved in. You'll start to see me write some different stuff that you haven't seen me write before, which will be fun as well. So I'm excited about that, Bill. We're, 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 we're back in the saddle full-time. It, it reminds, speaking of sports now, it reminds me, we got to have our good friend Evan Grow just probably baby back on the show. We usually do our little roundtable yes. talk before the Raiders start the season. So Evan Grow, who's also part of the Sports Night family, uh, got to have him back on. So I'm sure now we have the three amigos back together again yes. under the Sports Night umbrella. Feels good. Yes. Yes, we uh, one of my favorite movies, by the way, The Three Amigos. Very funny. Um, <laughs> shall I be coming around about? Okay, you guys will get that if you know, if you know the movie. But anyway, yeah. And by the way, with sports, not you know, we always talk about it in terms of you writing there as a Raiders columnist and me writing there occasionally covering the Raiders. Um, make sure you check out the site. Seriously, uh, it's it's a top twenty sports site. Uh, in in America, yes, there are larger ones, but if you look at where it's come in three years, and my involvement with them started with SilverAndBlackToday.com, which became the old VegasSportsToday.com. There's a new site called Vegas Sports Today, which we are not related to, but nonetheless, that that went into SportsNot. That's how Mo got there and and got introduced there, as well as Brevin Honda, who covers um, hot golf for SportsNot.com, started mm-hmm. writing for us. If you remember Mo uh, back in the day, mm-hmm. and then. Yep. Of course, you talked about Evan Grote, who does a lot of work over there on the digital content, too. Not as much writing, but the digital content, a lot of the interviews you see up on SportsNot and everything, Evan has a hand in that as well. So really cool stuff. I'm really excited, and um, it's going to be fun. So we're looking forward so, to it. So SportsNot basically has a, a core, what do you want to call it, a core four with Scott, myself, Evan, Brevin. We're, we're, we're like the, the originals there. Uh, that, <laughs> that were carried over from the from the previous platform so yes just good to have everybody back together for the season ready and geared up it is it is it's going to be fun uh as always it's going to be a great season we're looking forward to talking to you guys here on silver and black today as we get geared towards that we will have evan on next week and do our roundtable our preseason roundtable where we have a lot of fun and just uh talk about what expectations might be concerns uh and excitement and all that kind of stuff we'll have all of that as part of it by the way, we will also look over the next couple of days. Of course, we'll have Mo and I will be back full show on Thursday, but look for something later today on the cuts here on Silver and Black today, and also a Silver and Black Blitz. Welcome Jay Schrader and Rich Perez on as well. Of course, former Raider quarterback Jay Schrader. We'll talk to him about uh, all that's going on with the Raiders and get his impression so far of the quarterback situation, including the young quarterback Aiden O'Connell. So stay tuned. So much content coming up. And we really appreciate your guys' support. Mo, I will talk to you either today, tomorrow, or definitely Thursday, my friend. <laughs> definitely Thursday, but look out for a silver and black blitz because you know that's oh, yeah. coming from you know, either Scott, myself, or maybe both of us. Maybe both. if we have time in between our <laughs> schedule, it'll be, it'll be both of us. <laughs> it will be. It'll be a crazy couple of days, but do that. All right, my friend, take care. Uh, just a take reminder, care. too, for those of you listening to the podcast for the first time, do us a favor, subscribe to it. Even if you watch us on YouTube, shout out to our YouTube chat, which is always lively. Um, just subscribe to it on the audio for us as well. That helps us significantly. 
Go anywhere you get your audio. Just search Silver and Black today. Subscribe, put on the auto download, and you're set to go. Thanks for the subscribers on YouTube. We certainly appreciate you guys being there. Hit the notifications bell as well so you know when we have a new video up. For our producer, Mike Robier, for Mo Moten, I'm Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today. We'll talk to you later this afternoon, Raider Nation.